Hallelujah. Strengthen yourselves in the Lord, church. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Be renewed in the secret place of your heart. Let God speak to you. You don't need for God to give you words for uh, where, where the nation is going, where the world is going. You need to hear a word about you, your soul, your heart, your emotions, your strength, your family, your encouragement. And that's, that's where we're at. I didn't bring anything but a Bible. No slides tonight. I'm, I'm, I am going to keep preaching history, though probably not tonight. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm preaching on tonight. It's not really true, but kind of. Sometimes it's one of those things where you go, you sit, and you study, and you read, and then you just, you just go, I don't want to do any of this. And here's a, here's a rule of thumb if you ever preach. If it doesn't reach you in private, it ain't going to reach them in public. <laughs> so there's that. So let's pray. Jesus, we need you. We need you. You are Lord. You are Lord. We confess you, Jesus. We confess you before one another. We're here confessing Jesus Christ is Lord. We're here declaring that we do not know or understand, God, your ways or your plans. But we know that at your right hand is our Savior. And we bow to worship him tonight. We haven't forgotten when we were so forsaken and so hopeless and Jesus came. Hallelujah. Now come again, Lord, and teach us. If you have a Bible, open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I think I was supposed to talk about the offering. You guys know how to give an offering. There's boxes in the back and there's there's the text to give. By now, you probably have it in your phone. Um, the Lord is our sufficiency. And uh, yeah, while you're finding your place, yeah, I, so you, you guys know, I, I guess I just want to say it to a live crowd. So COVID went all through the staff. I think uh, six of the seven of us in the office got it. That one right there is invulnerable. The, the Iron Lady. We just called you Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> you could do a lot worse. Anyway, uh, so here's, here's going to be continuing our posture at the church. We're going to do everything we can to stay open and you do everything you can to stay safe. We want you to be personally responsible. And I, I had to think it through. I had to pray it through. I mean, once, uh, 
once we got sick, and then we, we did get word. There was a number of people in the church that got sick and had it. And, well, they, now, they're, now they're telling us, you know, this is one time where all the worst things that you can believe about an illness are out there. And so I'm, I'm still going to, my, my posture's still going to be as much as possible. I'll wear the mask. I'm going to still greet you without touching you as much as possible. I'm going to still respect all those things. I want to take care of you. But what I want you to do is be free and personally responsible. Because I had to think through. Now, what would happen if, if somebody uh, got sick? And what would happen if somebody died? And you have to think that through. We were sick. There was enough of us sick. We had to think that through. And there was word coming back. And I, I still say, I'm going to live in a world where people are responsible and free. So that's me. That's, and wow, to see you come back this strong. Um, yeah, I mean, there, wasn't, there was a time when we wouldn't have said this was strong, <laughs> but now we do. And, um, and for those of you who are staying home, no condemnation, no judgment, none of my business. Stay home and stay safe if that's what that's if that's what being responsible and free is inside of you. Can't, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. One Corinthians two. One Corinthians two one. Brothers. When I came to you, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. I suspect that when you read those words, you don't really believe Paul. I do. Because I want you to know that people that you see as public people in the privacy of the quiet, they still doubt themselves, accuse themselves. They still wonder what am I doing? They still fight through all those things. Am I the one? They always do. At least at some point it comes. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in the demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It seems that Paul was that man that uh, though his, I mean, you read his writings. I want to tell you, I don't think that there's, I don't think there's many words in the human race and, and by now, I speak as a man, and I speak with, of Paul as a man. Yes, this is the inspired word of God. 
But I want you to know when I read Paul, I go, wow, what a mind, what, a, what, a, what insight, what wisdom. I mean, I read it, I'm like, it's like, I, I understand, you know, you understand Peter drew back and said, that dude's hard to get. But apparently he wasn't a great preacher. And apparently his presence was not impressive. And apparently he was very well aware of these things. And perhaps we have his epistles because of his weakness in the flesh. Perhaps that's why we have it. When I read these words though, I'm glad because he's in a church where there are many esteemed people and he's aware that he's not exactly foremost. By the time we have the second letter, which many believe is not the actual second letter that he wrote to them, we realize that Paul has reached a point to where that some of them have said, don't come back here without a letter of recommendation. If there's ever a time when we need to boil it down to the common denominator, this is it. I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ crucified. He didn't come to tell them that Jesus was a great prophet or a great teacher. He came to tell them that he was the spotless lamb of God who bore in his body on the tree their transgressions. He came to tell them that he was the one whose death is the mysterious answer of God to all the questions about death in the world. That's what he came to tell them. So you want to, so explain to us the plague, the pox. Okay, Jesus and him crucified. Explain to us Caesar and his throne. Jesus and him crucified. We need this word, don't we? We need this word at a time when even we who are the body of Christ can be divided by so many things. I don't think there's ever been a time in my life when I thought there's more reasons that we can hate one another than I've ever found. We can be mad at each other over what this person said or that person said, this preacher preached or that preacher preached. We can be mad at each other over, uh, over uh, the interpretation of the times we're going through. So... I sat in my office and poured over things and then I wadded up my computer and threw it in the trash. No, that's what you do with paper. I just closed it. I'm so glad that I'm, I've been going through this thing. Uh, I'm walking through uh, these days with Martin Luther. <laughs> See, every, every week, by the way, every week for, for a couple of months, I've, uh, had, I've studied an installment, had a little installment of Luther's life. 
And like right now, um, right now, 500 years ago, Luther was about four days from having to answer the papal bull, or if you will, the accusation, the call upon him to recant of his writings. <laughs> and uh, Luther kept himself so fixed on Jesus. You see, once Jesus came to Luther and settled his personal despair, that was it. That was it. I've been reflecting this week. I've been reflecting on Thirty years of battling my own mental illness. I'm not kidding about that. The unimaginable thought that I would still be preaching. Goodness of God. Because I've despaired of life so many times. Hallelujah. And I keep reflecting on. and he heard me. You understand? That's the whole deal. That's the whole deal. And now, I listen, I do. I argue about everything. And I promise you I won't stop. I got battles to fight. Luther, it's the ironies of the words that the English, kind of a papal bull and the irony of the pun that a bull got hold of a bull. You know what? You know because they threatened Luther with the with the flames of heresy, and uh, I'll already tell you. Here's what he did: when his forty days were up, he burned the papal bull in public. <laughs> you threaten me with fires, I'll give you fires. That was Luther. But when it comes down to it, anybody who ever spends their whole life preaching the gospel. It's because you so know what you know that everything you don't know doesn't matter. I spend my whole life trying to explain through the lens of what I know, the things that I don't know. Why, God? I'm like you, I cry out. Every time somebody comes to me and says, why, why God? Why God? I always say, yeah, he ain't going to answer that question. You, you understand that, when, that the only rationale that he will ever give you is himself. And it'll be enough. It'll be enough. So Paul said, I went to Corinth. I had to go there. This is that man that 
Everywhere that he goes, they're beating him within, literally close to death, within the, 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 the Jewish definition of an inch of his life. To the legal limit of how they could beat him. And he's like, well, I'm going again. I'm going again. I'm a big old whiner compared to him. This is for you. I was studying renewal again. I was studying awakening again. Uh, a spiritual awakening. The, the simplest definition of it is when a corporate, a lot of people get so sick of what they got, they cry out to God for what he can give them. And there, there come these seasons when when it's easy for everybody to receive. A, a, an awakening is when, is when, and was when people cry and they get heard. You need to understand that I know that there are many seasons in which people cry a long time before they get heard. And that's also in the Bible. But when an awakening comes, uh, this land that we're living in, America, I, for years and years, I used, to, I used to think America was not a land of revival. And we used to talk about Wales, the land of perpetual revival. I've studied enough American history now to tell you that the history of our nation is perpetual renewal. If I talk to, if I talk to, hallelujah, I've got a whole bunch of other stuff in preaching, but if I, uh, if you talk to people, and it's really interesting because I, I have this ongoing debate. People are saying, we need a, a third great awakening. And I'm always fussed about stuff like that because I'm like, no, that's already happened. And so has the fourth. And what happens is, you see, two, two things. The, the reason people haven't recognized these other awakenings is one, proximity, we're too close to them. And two, priority. The Christian witness is not as regarded as it was then. The two great awakenings, the Christian narrative of how to see our lives was the primary na narrative of the country. And, and so awakenings were when, were when the preachers declared to the people that they, were, that they were far from God and that they had fallen from God and they Listen, they needed, they desperately needed an awakening. And what would happen? These things that happened, they're actually, by the way, they were actually in New England. There were actually five outpourings of the Spirit in, uh, the, in the Massachusetts, Boston area itself before the Great Awakening. Five within 60 years. And so people knew what they knew when they were saying that, that people are not flooding in. And so, so here's what was happening. Uh, people get into the function of Christianity and, and they don't have the personal experience. Or here's what often happens. A generation of parents who got swept into the kingdom by the power of God raise children who are simply taught the precepts of God. 
I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. And he said, and you know, I didn't come to you with persuasive speech, but with power. When the gospel comes, it comes with power. What kind of power? That kind of power that redefines your, your soul, your being, all this identity stuff. You guys do realize that identity politics is a counterfeit revival, don't you? Oh, you didn't know that? It's a counterfeit great awakening. It's a great awakening that deifies man instead of God. It's a great awakening in which the stain of sin can never be removed. So I'm hopeful because people are saying that things are kind of bad enough that maybe we can get another awakening. God do it in the 1960s when all those kids were leaving their families. All those rebel kids were leaving their families and many Northeastern kids and Jewish kids were migrating West and living in communes, rejecting the American dream and the American way of life and getting burned out on drugs how did it happen that suddenly an outpouring of the Spirit came so that, listen, in, in late 1960s and early 1970s, leading people to Jesus? Oh, my goodness. It was like, stick your shovel in. You're going to get some dirt. Everywhere, it's like you couldn't miss. You couldn't miss. You couldn't miss. And now we've, you know, if you know anything, you know we've reached a time when hearing they don't hear, seeing they don't see. I'm not going to get to my sermon. And so when I hear people saying, uh, we're on the cusp of, a, of another great awakening, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I say, that's crazy talk. Because I study enough about how these things work that I think I know how it works. But the wisdom of God is wiser than man. It might be, it might be wiser than what I know. Because listen, here's what I do know that I know. You were made for him. And you won't be okay until he's alive in you. Temples have to have a God. Temples are for habitation. And so that's what I know. That's what gives me hope. Is that somehow in the midst of all this identity confusion, people are gonna come back around to that Hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And if and if this old if this old kid from oh listen, I come from a blue collar family. 
I wasn't the first kid in my, in my family to, to get his college education, but I was one of the few. And uh, when I cried out to him, then I couldn't understand it. Why everybody that did why everybody didn't have that. And so I spent my life getting academics, getting knowledge, getting understanding, getting wisdom. And trying to come with persuasive speech. I'm frustrated. Are you frustrated? I am. You're not, Vicki. God bless you. You're looking at the right thing then. Hallelujah. I mean, everybody's not. But I know this. The only time I'm not in agony these days is when I'm fixed on him and his cross. It's true. The body politic puts me in misery. The culture puts me in misery. Kind of the church puts me in misery. But when we're in the presence of God, when we meet, and when we raise our voices, and when his presence comes, It's just like being born again, again. Because we're children again. That's what happened in the 1960s and 70s. A bunch of smarty pants, young people became children again. And he put the joy in. Are you ready for the communion? Does everybody have, if you don't have the elements, make, let, let him know real quick because he'll come to you. And uh, and I want you to understand about the communion. The communion is something you do. This is something we do. Um, let, me, let me make it. For just a second tonight, I walked out to those book tables and I stood there and looked at my children. All right, all right, right. And, and my eye would fall on a title and I would remember my romance with that title. Right? It was something I did. What did I do? I brought the past into the present. What does worship do for us? It's something we do. What does it do? It brings our, our sweet encounter with Jesus into the 
right now. I love to look around this congregation and see the tears, the holy moments, the sacredness that you dare not break. <laughs> I always think about that children's book, Hush, Hush. Whisper who dares. Christopher Robin is saying his prayers. Captures it. And so this is something we do. We, we confess him again. In fact, the Bible, what Paul said in one place, he says, when you do this, you preach Jesus until he comes. So I started off saying to you that I'm real confused about something. The only thing I know is Jesus and him crucified. And we're going to end with, you're going to preach Jesus. This is what you're doing. Here's why our identity in Jesus is good. Because we come to him with our sin and he deals with it and puts it away. And listen, I'm not having to have it done again. It's done. But when I come back to the bread and the cup and I enter into fellowship with Jesus again in the bread and the cup, I proclaim again that sweet, wonderful moment when experientially Jesus came to my life and changed everything. You say, well, I don't have that. Well, here's what they Here's the reason we had awakenings. Because they discovered that people who grew up very close to Jesus and grew up in the midst of the precepts could come to encounter him in the preaching, in the liturgy, in the bread. So let's pray and let's experience Jesus again. I'm going to pray out loud. You pray quietly, whatever you want to pray to him and tell him what you need. Lord, how we thank you tonight, how we thank you tonight, how we thank you tonight that when we remember and when we proclaim and when we tell our testimony, you come with your life-giving spirit and make it alive in the moment. And so for this day and this hour, you have come to me again and I'm alive because you died. The body of Christ is given for you, church. This is the blood of Christ. This is the blood of the everlasting covenant. This is the blood that brings you near. The blood of Christ is shed for us, church. Hallelujah. Well, I still have an unpreached sermon. But there'll be another day, won't there? Stand together. I had a very 
gentle, if you will, bout with COVID. I actually had this strange experience of being told in the morning that I was negative, that I, that I was not, I was, I was, I was negative at my test. Spent a whole day kind of disappointed because I thought, oh, I was hoping that was it. But um, then later in the afternoon, I got a call back that, oops, <laughs> you're, you're positive. And it was strange because I was actually grateful. But what I want to be sure people know is that because I had a light case, it's not creating in me a cavalier spirit. Because while I was going through mine, my, my, my dear friend, Johnny Buckner, was just in agony for like 14 or 15 days. Just agony. And he told me this week, he said, Alan, I despaired of my salvation. said, I felt so forsaken. He said it would, and then, and then he said, and then Jesus came. Right? Right? And, and then he recovered like incredibly, just recovered. And then he preached all day, every day last week. Got up out of bed, went and preached every day, all day. And with an anointing that you can hear coming through the phone. And I was like, then I was jealous that I didn't have what he had. Huh? What? Um, my, my wires are wiring. Give me that. Turn it off. Because I ain't done. Now's it good? All right. Anyway, I say that because I, I, I don't want anybody to think I'm cavalier about this. And I want you to pray for one another. And I want you to carry your friends. If you have friends or loved ones who are sick, you carry them close. And you love them well. I didn't expect this to be going on nine months. I didn't expect it. But I do know this. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I know this, that what we need is His power and the experience of Him. One of the features of New Life City is to say we want you to have an opportunity. If the power of God did not come to you in the table or in the word or in the worship, or if it did, but we give people an opportunity for the power of God to come to them through the ministry of laying on of hands. So if you need prayer tonight before you leave, 
And I tell you, I look around sometime and, I'm, and I know you enough. I know you enough to know that some of you have been renewed in the Holy Spirit going through awful times. You've been renewed in your life going through awful times. And I rejoice quietly. And you might be the spark. <laughs> you might be. Because when I go studying these awakenings, there's usually these names that we know. And then when you dig in, you find out, oh man, here's all the people nobody ever heard of. And God touched them. And out they went. And the fire fell. So Lord, do it again. Come Holy Spirit, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. You're the life-giving Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.